Welcome to Conversations About Life. And this is Will Jackson, and I'm here with my friend John Trusty, who's visiting from Michigan. And um, me and John go way back, I guess about 15 or 16 years. Uh, John used to live um, in this area, in the uh, Jefferson County, Missouri area. And uh, we met each other um, at Rockport, our, our church. And John left um, and moved up north, and we just stayed in touch. In fact, we um, kind of got into the habit of calling about once a week and, and, and praying together and just keeping up with each other and what's going on in our lives. And that's a little bit about our relationship. And John is a social worker, and I'll let him fill that out in just a minute to tell you a little bit more about him. He was, and then how we came to this point of being on a podcast uh, together, or him being my guest, is uh, he was in town visiting and asked if I would like to um, interview him, and I said, sure. So here we are, and John, why don't you just say a few words about yourself just so that people can get an idea of uh, who you are? Well, hello, thank you, for, Will, for the opportunity to be interviewed beyond beyond your uh, podcast and uh yeah i am a licensed minister i've been um a minister at several different congregations throughout the years um i um i have three kids uh the youngest one lives with me part time um as, as my friend Will said, I, I live in Michigan now, close to Detroit. If you're familiar with the famous 8 Mile, I live on 9 Mile, so that gives you kind of a, an idea of how close I am to Detroit. I work at a, currently I work at an apartment complex for seniors. There's 200 residents there, so I just help them with their daily needs and resources and provide education opportunities for them. Uh, I think one of the most significant things about me is that when I was 15 years old, I came to know Jesus Christ. And that made all the difference in the world for me. And now I don't live uh, for, for what would make me happy, but what would make him happy. Okay, and that's why I was going to ask you about um, just here as far as how things got started for you, as far as um, the Christian faith is concerned. So you said you were 15, and um, and then what happened when you were 15? Well, I uh, I was kind of a shy kid, kind of reserved, and um, had some issues in my home life. And so um, I remember every day going to school and hating school, because school reminded me of how different I was. Um, I, I stuttered when I was a kid. I had a speech impediment. And so, so it just, uh, I was uh, easy game, I guess, for, uh, for the bullies in school. Anyways, when I was 15 years old, I, um, I was in a Sunday school class. It was the the junior high Sunday school, and 
there was a teacher there who who left, he quit. It had nothing to do with me, you know, he, it was just his, his time to move on. And um, this guy named Don, Don Lukert was his name, and he, uh, he became a Sunday school teacher. <clears throat> well, he... Um, he would ask me questions. He knew that I knew the Bible. So I kind of wanted to just blend in and not be noticed, but he noticed me. And so he would ask me questions. I would answer him. And then he took me out, you know, places, you know, to go out to eat or whatever. And um, <clears throat> through, through hanging out with him, I realized that there was something different about him. And it was about a lot of people I knew. You see, he knew Jesus in a personal way. Um, I I always understood that our relationship with Jesus was supposed to be personal. I did pray, but I didn't I didn't really grasp what it meant to follow Christ. And through through his life, I I, I realized there was something I still needed. I had religion. I had um, the the religious, religious rituals that I went through, but I really didn't know Jesus. And so I remember one day just making a decision. And I believe it is a decision that you make. You, you can't be born a Christian. You know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. So um, I remember uh, bowing down by my bed and saying, Jesus, I want you to take the rest of my life and use use my life any way you desire because it's not about me anymore. Was there anything that happened um, like immediately at that point? Like any change in your life or anything you experienced? Well, you know, that's an interesting question, Will, and it's harder, I guess, for people to answer when they've been in church all their lives because you kind of kind of get used to acting like a Christian even if you're not and I understand some people that will be hearing this broadcast this, this podcast will be in that same predicament you know they they maybe acted like a Christian but they're really not um, anyways so so when you know I was still going to church afterwards and um I still was reading the Bible, and um, but I think one one of the differences that I noticed right away was was two things. First of all, I was excited about Jesus. I wasn't timid about talking about Jesus or inviting people to church. I wanted to do that because it, w- it was good news to me. Um. And secondly, speaking of that good news, um, I felt differently about myself. Before, like I said, I was picked on and you know I, I had speech impediment, so I didn't think I was worth much. And then I found out that the creator of the ends of the earth died for me on the cross. And uh, that gave me a confidence I, I didn't have before. You know, it was like, you know, if the creator of the universe accepts me and he loves me that much, then I'm valuable. And who cares who who cares what Mo Larry or Curly says about me? 
So when um, this you know occurrence happened when you were fifteen, um, were you thinking more about like um, being more of a committed follower to Jesus, or were you thinking more about Jesus? There was a death and there was a resurrection, and that death was for you for your sin, and now you can be forgiven and free, or was it both mixed in together, or just what was kind of your line of thinking during this, when this happened? Um, I'm not positive I, I understand the question, but, uh, so just to, re- just to repeat, you're saying, uh, did I just simply see the historical, um, the historical piece of Jesus where he did live, he did die for, for my sins. No, no, that's not really okay. what I mean. I mean, like, um, if you if you can remember, um, like, what you were thinking about when you you know you were getting on your knees and you know, like, was it like um, more commitment type of thinking, like, um, I need to give my life fully to the Lord. And follow him, or was it more along the lines of thinking, "I'm a sinner and need a savior," um, and the, the gospel is that Jesus died for me, and I need that. Um, so, do you see kind of what I'm what I'm bringing up? Yeah, I guess you know. I think I think it was uh, I was ready to commit my life to him. That was that was the piece that I really didn't grasp, didn't run with before. You know, I had walked an aisle, you know, and prayed a prayer with a, with a, with a preacher. But uh, it, was, it was still my life. It was still about me and what I wanted to do, and if Jesus wanted to come along, he could. So it was more kind of, as far as your thinking, it was more of like the commitment type of thinking, like, I need to give my life to Jesus. And was the um, the whole matter of like um, needing to be saved because I'm a sinner was that something that occurred earlier in your life then, or or where does that fit in, or or does that fit in? Well, I think that um, you know, I, beings that I have been in church all my life. Mm-hmm. I had heard that I was a sinner. Yeah. I understood the basic concept. Mm-hmm. I understood what sin was. I knew that that, that I had committed sins, mm-hmm. but I don't think I, re- I realized the the magnitude of those sins. It's kind of like you know. It, I know. Well, you you were in the Navy, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure some people that will be listening to this broadcast have been in the Navy. So what... I don't, I don't know. I forgot to ask him if he, my, my listener, if he was in the Navy or not. <laughs> I'm just, just kind of joking. Um, so, so, anyways, um, what, what color uniform did you wear? They were called Navy Blues, but they were really black. Oh, that's, they were black. That's, that's kind of strange. Yeah, they were black. Well, they, and I had whites, too. Okay, well, you know, that shows you how much I know about the Navy, but um, most Navy people I've seen have white on. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, me, you know, if I get a speck of, 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 of dirt, mm-hmm. a black speck on my clothes, I'm not that worried about it. Mm-hmm. It may even blend in. But not if, if you have a, a navy uniform, a white uniform. Mm-hmm. And so my point is that, um, you know, my sins didn't seem as big as others, other people's sins. You know, I, I lied every once in a while. You know, I was selfish sometimes. Um, but I'd never murdered anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never... Uh, commit adultery or anything like that. So, so I guess I guess what I'm saying is I understood sin to some extent, but I didn't understand sin in light of a holy God. So, my mentioning of the Navy uniform is only to to help draw a picture to the audience of what of how I of how I saw sin when I committed my life to Christ and and thereafter understood it. Okay. Okay. So like there was a commitment to Jesus but also like an understanding of just what sin was in light of him, like his righteousness and in light of what we are called to be, what we are created to be, which is, you know, we weren't created sinners. and So is that kind of along the lines? I mean, we were created, um, you know, in originally, you know, sin is like a, a part of <laughs> the fall, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, um, so that kind of, um, like... I guess one of the things that, you know, I look back to like when I was 18 and there were earlier times in my life where I um, tried to do whatever I needed to do to be saved, you know. And now I just look at that as like superstition or I've just, you know, um, trying to do some things, you know. And, um, and then later um, when I was 18... That's when um, it just, uh, well, I was kind of going through a low point in my life, and I just saw myself as morally repugnant, I guess, you know, is a way to put it, uh, just morally disgusting. And at that point, it was like I needed to be saved because of who I was. I needed to be saved from what I was, you know, that God had to do something. And that's the time that I can... Uh, where there was really just a change of my heart, you know, when the Bible speaks about being made a new creation or being born again or something like that, I think, wow, those are just perfect words for what I experienced because it was like a whole new world opened up to me and a load of guilt was lifted from me um, that I didn't even know I had, you know, until it was lifted from me and I just felt uh, light and um so um anyway i just was kind of wondering um you know just similarities or differences and just what you um experienced personally i don't remember if i was kind of um thinking a whole lot about the cross and its significance and everything like that 
I just remembered that I had to be saved, called out to God to save me. And I was surprised uh, by what happened, but very happy about it in that uh, it was like, I felt like a new person. And that was when I was 18, and now I'm 51. And I still feel like that different person compared to, you know, before then. Any additional thoughts or anything before we move on? That's about it. Okay. What gives you confidence that the Christian faith is true? Well, I think uh, one is just the fact of reading the Bible, reading all the different books in the Bible, um, understanding that... uh, the Bible was written over thousands of years, and uh, each book uh, kind of contributes to the other book. It, it's not like the books are contradicting one another. Um, the The focus in the Old Testament was on the Messiah coming. The focus in the, in in the first of the New Testament with the Gospels. Is is Jesus uh, actually being here, God in the flesh? And then the rest of the Bible is talking about looking to to maintain our relationship with Christ, to, to share others, to, to share with others about Him until He comes again. Um, so. So the the Bible is a very cohesive message that uh, is historically uh, accurate. You can look in any library. Matter of fact, in uh, I live in Michigan, like I said, and there's a there's a university library. It's a in in Ann Arbor. <clears throat> And they have some of the oldest, rarest manuscripts uh, of the Bible, and uh, so so it's a, the Bible is a reliable document. <clears throat> and then I see the transformation in the lives of people that have been touched by the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, such as yourself, Will, and others, and and just uh, you know, seeing how, how Jesus has changed me and how He works through me, um, there's just no doubt, you know, that this Christianity thing is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like those answers. Like as far as the change in my in our lives, my life. Yeah, I I, I would think I would be dead or in jail if it wasn't for the change that happened in my life just because of the direction I was headed, you know. Um, And as far as the cohesive story of the Bible, I can, I think there's something to that too. I think the biblical authors were um, aware of one another, so like the New Testament authors, they were writing with all of that, the Old Testament, you know, the Hebrew scripture background, they were being informed of it, so... um, that could kind of account for some of the continuity 
um, because, um, you know, they're they're being influenced by it, and so and they're, you know, springing off of that and continuing it on. But um, th- no, I I do think there that the that progress throughout the Hebrew history and on through the Christian Church that uh, continuing theme does say something for the credibility of the Bible and it is an amazing book I think so as well how would you um, describe the the God of the Bible I would say if you um, if you've read the Bible very much you, you have to understand that yes God is a God of love and you hear that a lot, even from people that really don't have a relationship with God. They'll say, you know, God is a God of love. And He is. Um, you know, Jesus, Jesus came to the earth, um, and at one point Jesus was looking at the, the multitude surrounding Him. You know, people were coming to Jesus, wanting to be healed, and, and there was just a charisma about Jesus that people were were uh, attracted to, <clears throat> but they didn't know. They didn't know who Jesus was, and they they were just lost. Um, and Jesus at one point said, uh, "Well, he, he had compassion on them, and he said he wanted to take them as a as a mother hen takes her chicks into her wings to protect them, but they were not willing." Um, so we think about God as a God of love, but also God as a God of justice. And you see in the New Test- the Old Testament and the New Testament how um, people were, were judged um, because of, of what they did. Um, and so ultimately one day... Everybody will face the judgment. Hebrews 9.27 says, is appointed. In other words, everybody has an appointment. And we can understand appointments, right? You know, we have doctor's appointments. We have appointments uh, with uh, maybe a lawyer, whatever. You know, you make appointments with people. This is one appointment you don't have to make. You don't have to agree to. It's just going to happen. That's on the day of judgment. And so um, we know that God is a God of justice. Um, there's, there's rules, there, there's order to this universe. And, uh, and just like if I, if I jumped off your deck, Will, I'm not going to die. But you might. <laughs> I might. On second thought, let's not even think about <laughs> okay. jumping off the deck. But... Uh, but, you know, I'm going to really hurt at least, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a law of physics, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you, what goes up must come down, you know, kind of thing. So, so anyways, my point is that uh, the God's built in moral laws, physical laws, and, um, you know, there is a time of justice. So... That's that's how I see God. I mean, there's 
so much more to it. But mm-hmm. yeah, like the um, you shall reap what you sow type of thing. Like there's consequences and so forth. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, quite quite honestly, I've 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 done some stupid things in my life. I've sinned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see t- to some extent that um, you know the the health issues I have. Some of them could be related to that. You know, I mean, God God could heal me, but I'm not shaking my fist at God, blaming Him. Mm-hmm. What are you particularly gifted at, John? Well, I could tell you what some people say they think I'm gifted at, and I could tell you what I personally am convinced I'm gifted at. Okay. I think I think my gifting is in uh, teaching. Okay. Um, so teaching kind of flows for me. Um, it, it just it just comes to me. Just like, and I, I don't mean to trivialize people that are painters or writers, mm-hmm. how things just come to that. They, they just see something and draw it, or they, they, they're just inspired by the story, and their words just pop out of their head onto the pen. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of how it is when, I, when I'm teaching. It's just illustrations come from nowhere. You know, and I don't know if you can tell just by my style of conversation, but I'm not like an extroverted person. I'm not charismatic. Um, I'm just kind of a simple, um, reserved type of type of person. But people say that, that when I'm talking about Jesus, and maybe even you know when I'm teaching, I'm like a different person. Um, so, I know that I know that's a gifting. It's not something I would ever have chosen, but some guy gave me. And when do you th- feel like you're um, exercising that gift? Is it mainly like in a classroom setting, or is it in conversation, or uh, when you're talking to strangers about the Jesus, or like when is it that you're putting that to practice? Do you think that's a good question, Will? Um, I don't know if I've ever really thought about it like that, but uh, I guess God can use it anytime He wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, you know, I, I feel it when I'm standing up in front of people when, when it's uh, a scheduled time to teach. But I know sometimes I counsel people. I used to work at a drug rehab center, and so I, mm-hmm. I counsel people, and and that that gift comes out and helps me know the words to say um, and to some extent I guess you know it's not something that you can just turn on turn off mm-hmm. so when I'm when I'm on the street when, when I'm witnessing to people you know I, I feel it too <laughs> if you knew for sure that whatever you were to request from God you would have within five years what would you ask for
I've never really thought about that way because some people think of God as being a genie that you know, they just rub the bottle or they just pray the prayer and you know God's just supposed to come through for them you know with their wishes um, but if if God was so pleased to uh, answer a prayer of mine I think it'd be two things really one would be uh, that I find a companion in life um, and, and that he would uh, bless me with a, a godly woman okay um, and the other request I guess is that um, when when we're talking about very specific requests, is that uh, I I would be able to have a relationship with my daughter again mm-hmm. because right now you know, she's not talking to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, sir, you know when you. Um, when you asked if I'd like to interview you for the podcast, you said you'd like to talk about evangelism. And we've already really kind of talked about that. So, you know, I have this question in my notes written down, like, what's the main thing you would like to say about evangelism? Um, do you have anything else to add besides what, you know, we've kind of covered already? Or I don't know I if guess. we've really covered it. We've talked about Salvation, but I, yeah. I don't know about yeah. evangelism. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I guess um, I would say that it's everybody's job. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody that's a believer, anyways. You know, um, the Bible doesn't give us an out. It's not just for certain gifted people. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have responsibility, and we all have people that are within our reach. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I mean, you have a neighborhood full of houses. You mm-hmm. know, uh, these people. I suppose I could go knock on everybody's door. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't get arrested or anything, and I could share the gospel with people as long as they would stay on the doorstep listening. But, uh, but you have lived here for, I don't know, a long time since '93. A long time. Mm-hmm. So. So you have more of an in in these mm-hmm. people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I say one. I would say that it, evangelism is everybody's job. Mm-hmm. Two, I would say that um, <clears throat> evangelism doesn't necessarily mean uh, leading somebody to Jesus, like you know. Praying a prayer with them. Mm-hmm. Um, evangelism is just spreading the good news. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not responsible for the results of our obedience. But keep in mind, Jesus said one of the, the ways that we know that we're a Christian, at how we know that we love him is because we keep his commandments. Mm-hmm. And we think of uh, the Great Commission, right? You know, go ye therefore and teach all nations. 
Mm-hmm. That wasn't just for the twelve. It's for all of us. Mm-hmm. That's a continued um, directive from God. Um, Jesus said at one point his his disciples, at least his, his inner circle was there with him. And they looked out on the fields. And he said, look, he said, the fields are white unto harvest. Now at that point, I, I would expect that Jesus say, go, go now and reap people for salvation. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say that, did he? No, he said to pray for Workers. Laborers. Laborers, yeah. Yeah. And so, if you really think about that deeply, Jesus is saying, you, you need to be a part of the process, but it doesn't matter what part of the process you are. Um, the point is that uh, evangelism is not... You're not you're you're not a failure mm-hmm. if you share with somebody Christ and and they don't they don't receive it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were saying um, the Great Commission, those last couple of verses in the the book of Matthew. Um, but you know, it's for all of us to go into all the world and make disciples. And it's not like, and it's like when for all of us, meaning the church, the the people who belong to Jesus um, are to go forth not necessarily each individual person um, is to go into every nation um, but um, but every, you know the church as a whole is to be in, involved right? Is that how you'd see it? True. True. Yeah. I mean not everybody is supposed to be a missionary and go to other nations and that's a that's a good point because that's something I was going to bring up as well, Will, and that's that um, what I do personally, or one of the things I do is I go out on the street and I uh, I organize uh, evangelistic events, mm-hmm. and so like at, at Comerica Park, for example, in, in Detroit, I I, I lead in, in events there. Um, at different festivals and sports events, you know, I go and I lead in evangelism. We talk to people about the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, give, give out tracts. Um, but I understand that's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is called to do street evangelism, but everybody's called to evangelize. And I think it's, and by the way, evangelism, like, that's kind of a common term, but just for someone not familiar with it, that the evangel or the gospel is the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, and that um, a, that's to be proclaimed throughout the world, that there's there can be a turning of the heart away from sin and to, and to Jesus, and there can be forgiveness received and a new life in his kingdom. So that's what's being proclaimed, and you know that's what we mean by evangelism. One of the things that um, I found helpful, or most, you know, has done the most in my life, is just being honest. And what I guess 
or that's the way I kind of think of it. Like I remember when I was much younger, um, kind of feeling like um, uh, telling other people about Jesus and about uh, the need to, you know, turn their heart and ask for forgiveness and so forth and be saved. I um, kind of felt like that was a responsibility on me, and I uh, took a, a class. It was called Evangelism Explosion, you know, and there was different steps and everything. And um, I don't feel good about that time in my life. Like, I would learn that, and then I would see people at work, and I would kind of, like, decide who would I focus on or you know and then they would it was almost like I was doing some kind of a religious duty and um they were my target and um I would kind of think well, are they an easy target or a hard target you know and and it was almost like I made people a project sorry um now nowadays um I just want to be transparent and honest with people, and um, and I, I am a, a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. Um, this is a, a major part of my life. Well, it, yeah, it's what my life life is centered on. So, if if that's who I am, and if I'm just being transparent and honest, um, then things are just going to happen. You know, it's just going to flow out. There's going to be uh, discipleship type of things happening. You know, discipleship meaning bringing others to know Jesus and to be an apprentice or a follower of him. Um, Even this podcast, I didn't um, intend for it to be like a Christian podcast. I I guess I still don't. You know, it's more like a, a Conversations About Life podcast. But just as it turns out, Um, there's a lot of talk on here, of course, about Christianity because that's just what uh, flows out of me and the conversations because many of my guests are also Christians. So anyway, just to kind of wrap that up, just honesty and just uh, and letting love lead, I think is helpful, uh, considering other people and thinking, you know, if, if I was in their position... What would bless me? Um, what would my needs be? What would most um, I would most need, whether I knew it or not, or some you know things along those lines. Um, and um, and being vulnerable to like not having um, this um, thing that I'm pushing, I guess. But it's like Christianity is like what I'm. You know, Jesus is what I cling to, the Bible, the Christian faith, but um, it's not like, but I'm willing to let it be examined and um, willing to, to question and to consider what other people's people believe and let them question what I believe and lay it all, all out and being kind of transparent and honest about things like that. So I don't know if I'm making a whole lot of sense there, but those are some things that I think have been impactful in my own life. Well, I would just comment on what you said by by saying that, you know, I, I agree that uh, sharing 
the good news that we personally have experienced and understand mm-hmm. should be a natural occurrence. Mm-hmm. It should just flow out of our life. But uh, we also have to understand that not everybody is going to receive it the same way. Some people will reject it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're evaluating people, you know, some people look like they're going to jump down your throat for any little reason. Mm-hmm. But but if we if if that person is within our reach and God is motivating us to do it even if it's not a natural flow, even if it's not comfortable, we need to be obedient to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so so I would say that uh, well Francis, St. Francis of Assisi mm-hmm. said one time, he said, uh, <clears throat> I can't remember the exact words, but he said something like, um, share the gospel and when necessary use words. Mm-hmm. I, I'm probably misquoting him a little bit. Right, you're close though. I mean, I've, I've heard sorry. that before. I'm sorry, Francis. But... <laughs> But anyways, uh, I, w- I would say it's wrong. Because I would say that, that, that Jesus is, is our example. And Jesus used words all the time. And he said things that were offensive to all kinds of people. At, at some point, Jesus was teaching. His teaching became a little tougher to handle. And he had, I don't know if there's a number, but many of his disciples left him. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, he used words, but he didn't like. There wasn't a whole lot of invite Jesus into your heart type of words. <laughs> okay, true. Um, like, well, I guess like the Francis of Assisi, Assisi or the, that quote. You said, um, okay, well, here's the thought, just to see what you think about it. And maybe I'm assuming too much. I probably am, but like. I kind of think, like, people in general, they know about Jesus um, dying on the cross for sinners and that the idea is to be saved and, like, to be a Christian, be forgiven of sins. And then, as far as, like, what has not happened in their life you know, is for some reason there's, um, you know, just that spiritual work has not happened, and and so their words need to be given, you know. But um, I guess I guess sometimes I think people in general know the message, and maybe they need to see um, like it lived out, or they need to see the power of it, the reality of it in somebody's life. Um, or something along those lines. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, the, the, the message has been dumbed down. They've, they've been lied to. We've all been lied to. You know, there, there's a lot of different denominations and religions that say that all you have to be is, is be a good person. And there's many roads to get to heaven. Christianity is just one of them. And even, even in the Christianity road, there's... People say there's so many um, possible variances in that, you know. Um, but most people, 
most people I've talked to will. I mean, they'll say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I was raised in the church. I understand what Jesus is dying for me. But I'm trying to be a good person. And I think I'm going to make it. Well, obviously Jesus never said, just be a good person. You know, Jesus came to die for us because we can't be good people. That particular slant in the message is something people are not getting somehow, some way. They're, they're not getting it. So I think um, sometimes our, our, our cherished beliefs need to be challenged. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with you that uh, living the life before them is so important. Because we have a lot of people in our lives say a lot of things. There's a, there's a lot of talking heads, and some people are ministers, some people are considered talk show uh, hosts or whatever, you know, the people in your local church. Um, many of them say one thing, and then they go out and do another. Mm-hmm. And so you don't see the power of the gospel. And some people say, why, why bother so you got to back it up with your life. Yeah. This is kind of wrapping up, and this is kind of a strange um, kind of question. Um, if you could express the deep feelings of your heart in any particular art form, meaning music, poetry, painting, dancing, screenwriting, or modeling, or whatever, anything else... What would you choose? Well, Will, I know it's hard for you to believe because you've known me for so long, but I would not choose modeling. Okay. I was talking about modeling with clay and stuff oh, like oh, that. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, so, so now I guess I guess I would I would write some sort of a play. Okay. You know, I would uh, want to communicate it through. Do some sort of drama. Okay. And um, what uh, describe what it would look or sound like or um, what it would, the feel of it. What, what, what would it be like, do you think, this uh, drama or this play? What is that? <laughs> Someone doing the squeaker. Oh, okay. Toy. I'm sorry. Audience, but there was some sort of weird noise. I didn't know mm-hmm. if it was a bird or what it was. It was distracting me. Okay, so um, getting back back to your question, what would it look like? The the movie? Are, mm-hmm. are you asking? Would it be a comedy, a drama? Is that um, what you're asking me? Just whatever comes to mind. Like, what would it? What would the feel be like? Would it be kind of dark and moody? Would it be bright and cheery? Would it be a fast action? Would it be slow, sentimental, with piano music flowing through it? Or just, what do you think this would be like if you were expressing the deep feelings of your heart through screenwriting? I think it would be uh, happy, uh, cheerful, uh, theme to it, mm-hmm. but it would have some kind of melodrama to it uh, because that's life, mm-hmm. you know. And 
I think we don't understand what real happiness is. And you know, the Bible talks about um, silver and gold being refined by fire. You know, and I think uh, Peter talks about it um, that uh, I think it's in chapter one of First Peter. You know that that our, our trials are refining us like like gold. Um, and so I think it it would be a happy, a positive thing, but but you'd have those those kind of dips in the the mood or the score mm-hmm. you know where there was some tragedies some some sadness mm-hmm. okay well John I think we'll wrap it up there I uh, appreciate this I think it was a good podcast and I enjoyed it and uh, I appreciate you and the friendship we've had and it's just uh, really a, a treasure to me so thank you and thank you for being on the the podcast thank you for inviting me